The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. Pesach is a time for Masora, the transmission of Torah values to the next generation. The Torah tells us, and you shall tell it to your son. Torah and its values are given to us by parents, Rebbeim, and Moros. We can't do it alone. We need the help and guidance of others. After we left Mitzrayim, we came to Hasinai, where Moshe Rabbeinu was our first teacher. He transmitted to us what he received from Hashem. And it has been like that throughout all the generations. One person giving and guiding the next. Sometimes teachers, sometimes parents. A few years ago in Israel, I heard this great story about being guided and directed by others. There was a jet fighter pilot in the Israeli Air Force named Yaakov, but everyone called him Kobe. He would lead a squadron of fighter pilots every night as they prepared for war. Each night, Kobe's jet would roar off the runway into the sky. They flew in a V formation with Kobe in the front and two jets slightly behind him on the right and slightly behind him on the left. And he would shoot out a flare onto an area and the four pilots would roar over that lighted area and bomb it. Then Kobe would fly his jet upward and turn back around to return to the tarmac at the airbase. The others followed him and came back a few seconds after he did. This went on night after night. One night, after Kobe shot out his flare, he suddenly became very dizzy and disoriented. This is called vertigo. But he didn't realize it. And instead of going upward, Kobe's plane started flying downward towards the earth. Within seconds, his friends realized what direction he was going, and they knew it was bad. He could crash if he didn't turn his plane around. They radioed him immediately and told him he must change direction. Kobe looked at the altimeter in his plane, which shows the height of the plane from the ground, and he was shocked to see that his friends were right. He was heading in the wrong direction, flying quickly towards the earth, which of course could lead to disaster. Kobe, in this condition of dizziness, as we said, called vertigo, had to pull the yoke of his plane in the opposite direction that his instincts were telling him to. He told me that it was the hardest thing he ever had to do in his life. But he managed to pull the yoke back he turned the plane so now it was going upward and as it was going upward his head cleared he was able to turn the plane back in the right direction and he landed safely back in the airfield and you know something that's what guidance is all about we must learn to take guidance from parents and teachers and yes sometimes even from good friends who can show us the right path. Today, Yaakov Kobe Sherman is a father of a beautiful family in Yerushalayim, 
and he's giving over the guidance of Torah and mitzvahs that he got from others. In April of 1945, shortly after the Second World War, there was a Rebbe who was a very great Sadiq known as the Skolena Rebbe. His actual name was Rabbi Eliezer Zisha Portugal. This story took place when he was in Chernovitz, which was in the country of Bukovina, which at one point was Romania. Now, after the war, there were many, many people who found themselves in Chernovitz. They had been in the labor camps and the ghettos of Ukraine, and they had been freed after the war. But they were so broken. They had lost everything. Nebuch, many of their family relatives were killed, and many of their possessions were gone. And now these people, they were looking for Chizuk from the Skalena Rebbe. And they were wondering, where are they going to get matzahs for Pesach? The Skalena Rebbe had a very devoted chassid. His name was Rabbi Fischl Kerbel. And the Skalena called Rabbi Fischl in and he said, listen, I want you to go to the local farm, try to get some wheat and bring it back here. We'll grind it. We'll get a millstone. We'll try to make it into flour and then we'll have matzahs. Well, indeed, Rav Fischl was able to get some wheat, and they got a millstone. And the Rebbe's Hasidim worked very feverishly. They worked very hard to make as many matzahs as they could. And the Skalena Rebbe soon began to realize that there were other Hasidish Rebbeim that were located in Chernovitz. And the Rebbe wanted to give them matzahs. So listen to what he did. He made as many matzahs as he could, him and the Hasidim, and they went around, the Hasidim went around giving to every Rebbe three matzahs so that they would have them for the first Seder. Now, it was at that time that the Sered Vizhnitzer Rebbe Rabbaruch Hagar was also in Chernovitz. And he called over his 10-year-old son, Rab Moshe. And by the way, I want to tell you that Rab Moshe is the one who told me the story when he became a Rebbe many, many years later. So, Rabbarach Hagar, the Sarat Vizhnitzer Rebbe, calls in his 10-year-old boy, Rabbi Moshe, and he says, go to the Skalena Rebbe. I know he's giving out matzahs. Please get me some matzahs and give him my best wishes for a wonderful yontif. Well, the little boy comes to the Skalena Rebbe and he says, I would like to introduce myself. My name is Moshe Hagar. My father is the Sarat Vizhnitzer Rebbe. And he asked if he could please have some matzahs for the Seder. The Skalena Rebbe said, Your father is the Sered Vizhnitzer Rebbe. He's such a holy Jew. He's such a wonderful person. Come, my child. I'm going to give you the best matzahs that I have. And he gave him three of the best matzahs. When Moshe took the matzahs, he said, Rebbe, my father said that I should get six matzahs, not three matzahs. The Skalana Rebbe looked at the little boy and said, My child, what are you talking about? I don't have enough matzahs to give six to anyone. There are so many people here in Chernovitz now who need matzahs. I could only give three to each one. The little boy said, But Rebbe, what am I supposed to do? My father told me that I can't leave your house until I get six matzahs from you. 
well. The Skalena Rebbe knew that the Seret Vizhitsa Rebbe was also a great tzaddik. And he certainly didn't want to hurt him. And if that's what he told his son, he realized, well, that's what he's going to have to do. So he gives the boy six matzahs. And he says, tell your father that he should have a chag kosher v'sameach. He should have a wonderful yontif. Now listen to this. A few days later, it's Erev Pesach, just a few hours before Yontif, and little Moishala comes back to the Skalena Rebbe with three matzahs, and he says, my father said I should give you these three matzahs. Wow, the Skalena Rebbe couldn't believe it. He said, now you bring me back these matzahs? You know very well I only wanted to give you three matzahs to begin with. So why did you take six, and now you're bringing me back three of them? I could have given them to other people. The little boy said, My father, the Sered Vision to Rebbe, said that you, the Skalena Rebbe, are such a tzaddik that you probably gave away all the best matzahs to everybody else and you had hardly any left for yourself. He knew you would do that. That's why he took those six matzahs, so he should be able to give you back three of the best ones so that you would have those for your Seder. And wouldn't you know it, the Skalena Hasidim told me those were the three matzahs that the Skalena Rebbe used for the Seder. Now, isn't that amazing? Look at the incredible Avas Yisrael. The Skalena Rebbe is thinking about everybody else. He's not thinking about himself. He's giving everybody matzahs. And the Seret Vision to Rebbe is not thinking about himself. He's thinking about the Skalena Rebbe. So when we hear a story like this of such Avas Yisrael, we have to know that this too is one of the important lessons of the Yontif of Pesach. To care for each other, to love each other, and to think not only about ourselves, but to think about everybody else in Klal Yisrael. This adorable story was told to me by none other than Rab Shalom Shradron, the Magid of Yerushalayim. This story took place in the early 1900s in Yerushalayim. There was a chassan who got married just a few days before the Yantif of Pesach. It was the custom then in Yerushalayim, as it is in many places around the world, that after a young couple gets married, the first Pesach after the wedding, they spend in the home of the parents of the Kala, of the new wife. And that's exactly what this couple did. Everybody came home from shul, and they sat down to the Seder. Everybody was dressed beautifully, and the chassan wore his new strimal, which is a rounded beaver hat worn by many Hasidim and many Yerushalmi Jews on Shabbos, on Yontif, and on special occasions. The Seder was progressing nicely. The children had said the Manishtana, and the Haggadah was being read, the wine, they had the kaisais of the wine, and they made the brach on the matzah, and they had the moror, and now it was time, after the sandwich of Hillel, now it was time for the meal. 
Everything seemed fine, but suddenly, the Hassan, when he was eating soup, he noticed a wheat kernel in his hot soup. Well, that could become chametz. How could that possibly be? He thought he was marrying into a religious family. How could there be wheat in a hot soup? That could become chametz. He said something that maybe he shouldn't have said. But he said, how could this wheat get into the hot soup? That could be chametz. Well, his mother-in-law was very humiliated. She was very embarrassed. And of course, around the table, it became very uncomfortable. The rest of the Seder just wasn't the same. The next morning, the chassan and his father-in-law, they went to shul, and the rov in the shul was a great Talmud Chacham, a very Choshev rov. His name was Rab Shmuel Salant. Well, Rab Shmuel Salant walked over to the father-in-law and he said, Kujandev, how's the young couple doing? The father-in-law couldn't hide his true feelings. And he said to the rov, Rab Shmuel Salant, last night something happened at the Seder that was very, very uncomfortable. And he told him the story, how the chassan found the wheat kernel in the soup, and what he said afterwards. Rav Shmuel Salant called over the chassan, and he said, come with me. And he called the gabai of the shul, that's the attendant of the shul. He said, all of you, come outside of the shul. You, the father-in-law, come, everybody come out with me right now. And he said to the gabai, bring me a rag. Just come right away and bring me a rag, and let's go outside the shul. Well... Everybody was wondering, what is Rab Shmuel Salant up to? And then he says to the chassan, give me your strimal. So the chassan takes the strimal off his head and he gives it to Rab Shmuel Salant. And Rab Shmuel Salant takes the rag and he wipes the top of the strimal very vehemently, very strong. And three wheat kernels come popping out of there. And nobody can believe it. What's going on here? And then Rab Shmuel smiles. And he said, My dear Hassan, do you know where the wheat kernels came from? You know, here in Yerushalayim we have a minig that when a Hassan has an oifruf, the week before he gets married, the Shabbos before he gets married, here in America and in many places we throw candies. But over there, they throw wheat kernels because that's a sign of growth and prosperity. So Rabbi Shmuel Salant said the wheat kernels came from your strimal because they were thrown at you when you had the oifruf. Of course, everybody smiled. Chassan was a little bit embarrassed. And when Rabbi Shmuel Shradron, the Maggid of Yeshalayim, tells over this part of the story, he also smiles. And he says, you know, we can learn a great lesson from this story. Before you accuse anybody else of doing something wrong, you better check your own strimal. In other words, maybe you're the one that caused something to happen bad in the first place. You're accusing somebody else, but maybe really it's your fault. So before we accuse anybody else of doing something wrong, we have to check our own actions to make sure that we're not the cause of the problem. On a Friday morning in January of 1947, 
there was a terrible, unexpected snowstorm throughout New York and New Jersey. People had gone to work that morning and children had gone to school not expecting the terrible blizzard that suddenly came. In Weehawken, New Jersey, Mr. Aaron and Mrs. Rosalind Rosenbaum had sent their children to the yeshiva of Hudson County in Union City, New Jersey, which was less than a mile away from their home. But by mid-morning, they realized they would have a hard time getting their children home as buses were getting stuck in the streets and cars could barely move. The Rosenbaums walked in the blinding snow to the school to pick up their children. When they got there, they saw that some other parents had done the same thing. But many other children were stuck because nobody was able to pick them up. The Rosenbaums told all the children to follow them. Follow them to their house and they would be taken care of and they would be safe and warm. They wouldn't have to worry. The school began making calls to all the parents of the children that were going to the Rosenbaum home to let them know that if they wanted to pick them up, they should go to the Rosenbaum house, which was really closer to where the, all the children lived than the school was. Some parents were able to make it to the Rosenbaum house and get their children before Shabbos, but more than 20 children could not get home. And so they spent Shabbos in the Rosenbaum home having one of the most memorable Shabbosim in their lives. Today, more than 65 years later, some of those children who were there and who are today grandparents, they're still talking about that Shabbos and the Hachnosas Orchem of the Rosenbaums. What amazing chesed to worry about all the children as if they were their own. How did they learn that? Where did they see that? Well, if you ask in the Rosenbaum family, you'll find out a story that happened in a previous generation. Mr. Aaron Rosenbaum's father, Reb David, was a Gera Chosid who lived in Poland. In 1902, he left Poland and he came to Lower Jersey City, which is today called Hoboken, and he came to America to make a new life for himself. In those days, many people from Europe came to America to try to make enough money so that they could bring their families over who were still waiting for them in Europe. Rab David davened in the Mishkan Yisrael Shul where he soon became a very prominent member. In 1910, he was finally able to bring over his wife and family. And soon afterwards, Rab David and his wife would invite people who had no place to go for Shabbos meals. Rabbonim, who came from Europe, knew that the most reliable place as far as Kashras was concerned was the Rosenbaum home. There was one person who davened in the Mishkan Yisrael Shul who was Nebuch, very unfortunate. He was a very heavy man named Label. And he just couldn't find a job. And unfortunately, he was very poor. If he was ever invited any place, he ate so much because he had nothing in his apartment. But Rab David would invite him every Shabbos because he felt so bad for him. Sometimes it was embarrassing to have label at the table 
because of the way he ate. But Rab David knew that Label was poor, so it didn't bother him. One Friday night, there was a prominent Rav who came from Europe, and he came to Davin at the Mishkan Yisrael Shul. He was in America to raise funds for his yeshiva back home, and he had arranged to meet Rab David in Shul, where they would go together to the Rosenbaum home for the Shabbos meal. A big crowd followed Rab David and this rabbi as they walked home from Shul together. Many people would be eating at the Rosenbaum home that Friday night. So they started singing Shom Aleichem. And as Rab David was about to make Kiddush, he looked around at the assembled all around the table and he said, Where's Label? He had been in Shul. Label was seen by everyone. Maybe he was invited by somebody else, someone said. I don't think so, said Rab David. We have to go back in shul to see if he's still there. And the shul was not really very close by. Okay, said one of the children. I'll run back and see if Label is in shul and tell him to come here. No, that would not be Bakovedik. That would not be respectful that someone else should invite him here. I'm going back myself to see if Label is there. If anyone wants to make Kiddush before I get back, feel free to do so, said Rab David. But I have to go back to the shul myself. Rab David hurried out of the house. He came to the shul. He opened the door. And then he saw Label sitting in his regular seat, his head bent over the table in front of him, and he was crying. Label, what happened, Rab David said. I'm waiting for you. Why didn't you come? You always come with me Friday night. I saw the big rabbi and so many others go home with you, said Label, as he wiped away the tears with his sleeve. I thought maybe you don't have room for me. Rab David put his hand on Label's shoulder and said, Label, there's always room for you at my table. You're like family to me. Come with me now. I still haven't made Kiddush. I just wouldn't do it without you. The young Aaron Rosenbaum, who was at that table, never forgot the scene of his father, Rab David, walking into the crowded dining room, smiling with the special guest label. No one had made Kiddush. They all had the ultimate respect for their extraordinary host, Rab David Rosenbaum. And that's how Achnosis Urchin became such an important mitzvah and the Aaron and Rosenbaum family. This great tradition has been kept up by their children, grandchildren, and even great-grandchildren. At the start of every Seder, we say, Kol divchen Anyone who is hungry, let him come in and eat. That is part of the essence of the celebrating of the Yontif of Pesach. We open up our hearts. We open up our homes to those brothers and sisters who are needy. That's what we learned from the Rosenbaum family. What a beautiful Mida in Klal Yisrael. Enjoyed this story? Come again, bring a friend, storiestoinspire.org.